This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. Today on the podcast, I am talking with Nellie Hardin, who is a family life and leadership coach. She's the mom of four girls who are in their teen years, and she works hard to help parents build their kids' worth, esteem, and confidence. She focuses on raising girls, but there is a lot of relevant information in this conversation for raising girls and boys. I said at the beginning I was excited to have a focus on girl mom stuff in this conversation and then like halfway into the conversation started asking questions related to my boys and it worked out really well and she had great things to say but you know it's just proof that I started this podcast selfishly because I wanted to learn and grow from these amazing people I get to have on the podcast so in this conversation Nellie and I talk about conversations to be having with your kids as they get into those teen years and how ultimately what we're doing is trying to raise kids that are ready to self-discipline and lead their own lives when they leave our homes and I felt like I learned so much from Nellie and I love soaking up wisdom from parents who are just a few steps ahead of me. So this is a really encouraging conversation. I hope you feel the encouragement that I did in the conversation. All right, let me tell you about this sponsor for the podcast I am so excited about. It's Punk Post. Stop what you're doing and go send a beautiful card to someone you love, okay? Punk Post sends beautifully handwritten cards mailed by artists for you. Who has a birthday coming up? Who do you know that would love to receive a personal card from you tomorrow? Doesn't it feel so good to get snail mail? Customers place orders via the Punk Post, iOS, or online platform in the amount of time it takes to send a text. From there, they have over 100 US-based handwriting artists getting to work to turn a typed message into a custom handwritten design on the card of your choosing. It's in the mail within 24 hours. And I think everybody listening should think of one person to send a card to today. Cards make everybody's day. I actually just sent one today. It's a belated birthday card to my niece and I used Punk Post. For more info or to start sending love today, visit punkpost.com. Follow Punk Post on Instagram, Punk Post Co. Or download the app on iOS. You all can use the code Lindsay3, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-3, that's the number three, to get $3 off your first order. Go support this awesome business and send someone a little love today. Punkpost.com, use the code Lindsay3. All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, leave us a quick rating and review. I would appreciate it so much. I check those every single day. You can just leave it on iTunes, Why Is Everyone Yelling, or Spotify, you can do ratings now. That is one simple, simple way you can support this podcast. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Nellie Hardin. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have family, life, and leadership coach Nellie Hardin on the show. Welcome to the show, Nellie. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Super excited to have another North Carolina friend on the show. Yes, absolutely. 
this little this little state that we have uh, migrated to. <laughs> yes, you all listening just need to know how many connections Nellie and I just made before hopping on and hitting record. Like, went to the same college, both lived in Indiana, and now we live in North Carolina. It's so hilarious. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, you know what? I find living in this, I live in a very small town and stories are so connected. And the more you get to talk to somebody, the more you see that paths have crossed in some way or another um, during the time. But we seem to have a lot of crossing paths. <laughs> so funny. Um, tell me, I, I don't know why I've always wanted to live in like a bigger city, but tell me what you love about living in a small town. Well, first I want to say that I, I've had that want too. I mean, we lived in Chicago and so I, we've lived in big, we've lived in small, but I love the small because when we go out, um, when we go out to eat, my husband and I, you know, go on lunch dates and, um, we just walk in and they know what I'm going to order already because I've been there so many times. I don't even need a menu anymore. One of the restaurants here in town actually has a dish called the Nelly because <laughs> that is what I order. So I'm on the menu That's and I'm amazing. like, it's just those fun little things that happen. And, um, you know, I walk in and they ask me how my kids are doing and, oh yeah, I saw that this is happening in your life because we're all just so interconnected with with, you know, who we are as a culture and helping one another thrive and, and succeed. So I don't know, it's just like a really big family, um, that we get to be every day. So it's really, that's just beautiful. I love that. I was just thinking about this on my walk home from taking my kids to school. And I was like, I want, I want some sort of like routine where people know my name like that. Like, and then I was like, who in the neighborhood could I text and be like the first Tuesday of every month, we go get brunch after we drop the kids off at school and it's the same restaurant every week. And then until our kids graduate, like, you know what I mean? Like, but I, I can't, that's not going to just fall into place. I have to make that happen. Yes. Yeah. You have to be intentional. And I mean, we moved here seven years ago and you know, for seven years, every Wednesday, because I was homeschooling for all seven of those years, this is the first year as of last Tuesday that my kids go to school. So we're in the middle of a transition here. Um, but anyway, every Wednesday for lunch, we would all show up to this little market in town and have lunch. And they knew our order. They knew the Hardens were coming. Uh, our, our, Logan, I guess you would be, uh, or say is the happy hardens. And so they're like, Oh, the happy hardens are here, you know, and it's just so funny. And every Friday, my husband and I go on a date to this place, but it takes consistency over time. Um, but those relationships grow and trust grows and it's just beautiful. I love that. So yeah, big transition. You have four girls. And all, so why did you guys make the decision to go to school rather than do school at home? Well, every year it's always been a, I, I never wanted to pigeonhole myself into, you know, we're homeschooling, you know, for the long run or whatever. And let me say too, I grew up as a public school kid who never even, you know, thought of the two words home and school coming together yeah. before <laughs> until um, we were living back in Indiana and we were just hitting this educational I, I don't want to say roadblock, but there was definitely a cushioned wall there and with our kids and especially, especially my oldest. And so we just started thinking of, you know, what are some other things that we could do? Homeschooling came into our point of view, our perspective. We looked at it, explored it. Then we moved halfway across the country and thought if 
if, when, you know, now would be a good time. And so every year it was just kind of a re-decision um, in order to do this or do that. And my middle two are twins. And so they are going into ninth grade this year. And I think it's very important. Um, and every school, I mean, sorry, well, every school is different, but every family is different. Um, but for us, we thought it was really important that uh, they get out and have some years of experience out in the you know world and having those relationships and those conflicts and those challenges before they left home so we could help them navigate them while they were still here. And so that's why we sent them out to go to school. And then my youngest is the only extrovert besides my husband in the family. <laughs> so I'm like, there's literally no way she can stay home alone. She will go nuts. She will drive me nuts and everything. So she went off and she's in seventh grade. My oldest is a senior in high school. So um, yeah, that's, that's why this year. Um, senior in high school going to school for the first time though. How's she doing with that? She has actually been uh, again in ninth grade. We sent Oh, that's her, when you uh, sent, yeah, her, sent her we too. We sent her off as well. Sent her off. It's not, sounds like she's going to Germany <laughs> for boarding school. No, we, <laughs> she went out into the, into the private public dual enrollment. She's done all nine yards. I, I honestly think at this point, our family has hit every possible kind of educational <laughs> experience during these last 17 years. And your youngest is how old? 12. Okay. So how are you dealing with the transition of like, really, truly, I have big kids now? Yeah, I think it's a, it's really a beautiful transition. And the, um, I talk about this a lot in the work that I do anyway. So the first half of childhood, you're really building life for them, right? You're, you're telling them, what to do, what to eat, where to go, who their friends are, right? And even if you give them a lot of choices, which I recommend, you're still providing the pool of choices. Yes. So it's still very much in, in your wheelhouse. But then second half of childhood, um, you're really, I call it the great transition happens, you know, uh, eight, nine, 10, 11, then you're building life with them. And I think that is, I, I've loved every stage of parenting. And I say that even though some stages of parenting are really, really, really difficult, but you, I find, I find the joy in those really difficult times too, right? I am not here to say that, you know, parenting is all whipped cream and, you know, sprinkles. Uh, so during the second half though, you're building with them. And I look at family as a team and parents are the team leaders, but everyone works together as a team. So during that second half of childhood, I just find it so engaging and enthralling to be able to come together and say, and, and work with them in order to build into who they are becoming of them, their best selves. So I find it really exciting. Yeah. You worded it in a way I wrote this down and now, oh, building them and releasing them. Mm hmm. Gosh, it's so hard to do. And, you know, I talked to, it was Michelle Eicher that was on this podcast. She wrote the book 14 Talks Before Age 14. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite episodes on the podcast. But um, it's like so normal to release them. Like that is their, it is their job to not want to be with you all the time anymore and all those things. But at the same time, it's difficult for us because we've, we've been guiding them this whole time. And so it's like, giving that them that freedom 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't yeah. even mean freedom of like, you know, my kids, I'm about as free rangy as you get. My kids run the neighborhood <laughs> at a very young age. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's just like hard for parents to grasp. So what do you talk about as far as like still building them, but also releasing them? Right. Well, I think part of um, my well, I know part of my perspective comes that when I first started my career in, um, I have, uh, degrees in areas of science, uh, science and biology and psychology. When I started, I was actually in the animal realm. And so I did observations and, and I studied and all of these things, um, from humpbacks, uh, in the South Pacific to even some domesticated, but mostly in the wild, um, behaviors of parenting there, you know, parenting, it's a very human term, but, you know, child raising or um, your uh, youth being raised. And so in that way, I saw a very black and white, very raw picture of what the purpose of raising your child was. The entire purpose of raising your child was to get them ready for the world in order to go on their own and be in the world. Now, When I transitioned to the human realm of things um, a bit over 10 years ago, obviously there is a lot more layers of a human complexity that overlaps that, not to mention just our own emotions and our own uh, psychology, but also culture layering on all of these expectations and shoulds and shouldn'ts and everything there. So um, I just, I find it really interesting to be able to know, okay, this is, this is my job, but I also have all of these feelings about it and I really need to help them. And I really look at parenting as raising adults because I mean, God willing, they're going to be adults a lot more of their life than they will be a child. And I want to make sure that by the time they leave home, that they have a very firm foundation of their worth. Um, They have a very firm foundation of their esteem, which is value and appreciation of themselves and their confidence, which is actually believing in themselves to go out and do something so that they really are their best foundation of who they are before they leave home so that they know that, you know, they're worthy to be listened to, right? They know how to respect themselves, but also respect others and time and property and grow in wisdom. They know all of those things that are set in the cement of their foundation before they leave home. So looking at it through purpose perspective really helps me understand the whole hold on, but you need to release a little bit here because they need to learn something, right? If they go on all the time and they're not learning anything, then they won't have anything in their in their foundation, in their bank, so to speak, when they leave home and they're going to fall and it's not going to be pretty. You know what I struggle with uh, as you're talking about this? Because I know I know you also talk about like this is how many hours or days you have, you know, with your kids in the home. Um, I like always want these like big life lessons and like I want these like big things to be instilled in them every single day and my husband's like <laughs> going through the motions like yep get get the lunches blah 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 blah. and I'm like shouldn't we stop and like discuss this and discuss that and uh I don't know I just sometimes feel like I'm like losing the days without creating more purpose but I also know that sometimes we just have to like <laughs> live life and not make yes. everything a big thing so finding that like balance is tough and also you know, I know I'm talking to a mother of girls and I'm the mother of boys. My husband is like, 
boys don't want to talk that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to find a different way to, to make this happen. Um, but as far as the responsibility piece and, and releasing and a small example of that this morning, my son was going crazy looking for his math homework and I knew he left it on the counter and I don't know if I threw it in a drawer drawer when I was like cleaning up. I don't remember, but I was like, if I put it in a drawer, it's in one of these drawers. I definitely didn't throw it away, but now guess what? I'm not going to look for it and it's your job to find it because you left it out. Right? Absolutely. I was very proud of myself for that. <laughs> And I love that. And that could be the lesson for that day. So yeah, my, my um, platform is called the 6570 family project. So like I said, um, I look at a family as a team, but I look at parents as architects. We are family architects because an architect uh, designs plans and builds something. And as a parent, that's exactly what we're doing. We are designing, planning, and building the beginning of someone else's life. I mean, they will not have the same life if you did this or you did this, right? Everything that you do as a parent, good or bad, try or not, mean to or not matters, which can feel like a lot of pressure. But let me tell you this, you can't chase perfection. Perfection doesn't exist, right? So what we are doing is teaching them how to live life. And if we're trying to chase perfection, we're teaching them to try to chase perfection. Mm -hmm. If we're trying to have some big monumental thing every day, which I can totally understand and resonate with, <laughs> but if we're trying to have that, that means that they are going to try and have that too, right? Later on, it's going to be that little voice in their head because all of those you are statements that you're telling them now become I ams later on. And so in building that foundation for them, we really want to just kind of instill, you know, like I was saying earlier, that, that worthiness, that esteem and that confidence, but that doesn't mean that every day is going to be big because mm -hmm. some of the biggest lessons are super small. And this morning too, in my house, uh, girls are all getting ready to go to school and up comes my uh, youngest daughter who, by the way, before last Tuesday had only been just like outside of homeschool, outside of home school. Um, uh, gosh, I think like eight weeks of her life in kindergarten. Wow. And that was it. And so learning all of these things are, are different for her, right? And we've told her so many times before you come downstairs, you need to do this, 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 and this, right? Hair, brush your teeth for goodness sakes, right? All of these things. But last year and all of the years prior, she was like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll do it before nine, you know, I'll do it. And I'm like, mm. so now there's a much more, uh, a rhythm that needs to come into play. And so I'm like, you know what? Today she was brushing her hair downstairs and you listening to this, you're probably like, so what? When you have four young women in your house, you have to like have some structure. I'm like the brush stays upstairs. Right. I don't need four brushes in my living room. Exactly. Or another sister later on going, where's the brush? Right. And so I'm like, there's the, there's a drawer in your bathroom and that's where it goes. Yes. Take it out, use it, put it back. Right. And so I'm like, so I, I, uh, told her I was writing a list. I put a sticky note on the inside of her door and I'm like, you know what, tomorrow, if you brush your teeth and hair upstairs, that's a win. And that's a great win for tomorrow. Right. So even the little things can be so big because it will just escalate and and like dominoes falling into better and bigger things. So yes, every day 
has purpose and it has meaning, but it doesn't have to be huge. One thing that I, I think is a must, a must though, is finding gratitude in every day. I think that is a definite must and finding joy in the crevices of everything happening, which some days are not so great, right? But there's still some joy in some crevices, right? So uh, my kindergartner, it's his first year kindergarten. He's with his big brothers at school and he's been to preschool like since he was two, but he's acting like, you know, this is like really scary. So he's not acting. He is scared. But um, <laughs> his new thing is, so we walk to school. We're about like 0.4 miles from school is that his legs hurt and he can't walk. And mm. <laughs> like he's all of a sudden, like he cannot walk on the way to school. So anyway, we get there very slowly, but we get there and, um, I was saying that I said that to him today. I was like, let's try to stop thinking about our legs hurting. I believe you that your legs hurt, but let's find three things we're grateful for. And I didn't think he was going to come up with anything, but he finally did come up with my mom's coming to visit next week. And he said he's happy grandma's coming. Um, But like shifting that, like we're focused on our legs hurting. We're focused on this. Let's try to focus on something else. And I, I did that to him knowing that when I struggle with my own health anxieties, like true health anxieties, not like making up that my legs hurt because I don't want to go to school. <laughs> he is very good at this act too. It is very, very good. Um, that if I can focus on something else, it it helps a lot. Yeah, I think that is, that's amazing because, um, I mean, perspective work is everything. Trying as a parent, as a child, if you're in conflict, even if you're in a, you know, a, a time, a plateau of greatness in your life, perspective work is so important. And it's something we definitely want to teach them early because in the world that is very complicated, I mean, we don't need to sugarcoat it. Our world is very complicated. When they leave home, they're going to need the ability to see things from multiple perspectives for problem solving, for relationships, you name it. And so working on those little things with, okay, how can we just move the perspective and then we focus on something different is such a great lesson to consistently um, use over time so they learn how to move and look in different perspectives. So big applause. Good job. (laughs) Man, I'm really patting myself on the back this morning. Yeah, (laughs) as you should. Hey friends, if you're looking for an amazing pair of sunglasses, look no further than Gooder. You maybe already have a pair. They're functional, fashionable, and affordable. And most importantly, they are pretty easy to not destroy. If you are like me and have little kids running around your house that break lots of things, the Gooders stay pretty safe here. They have really fun styles and colors, and you can save 15% when you go to Gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com. Use the code Lindsay15. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5. And that'll get you 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Let's talk about some girl mom stuff a little bit. That's mm. that's your lane. <laughs> yes. Um, what are what are some conversations that you think are important for parents to have with their young women as they're like, like you said, that shift happens at like what, 10, 11, 12? Yeah. Yeah. What are some conversations you think that we need to be having with our young girls? Well, I think it's just really important to be very open about 
everything, right? And um, I'm not talking about, you know, oversharing or what have you, but there are changes that happen with young women, right? And so try, and there's, there's changes that happen years before they, I'll just say the word, they start their period, right? <laughs> Sorry for any dads listening or that are queasy about that or what have you, but it happens, right? And so example, I actually, my oldest daughter, we took her to the hospital and because she was, our neighbor had just had um, uh, appendicitis. And then my daughter was uh, showing signs of appendicitis. We had a nurse come over that was a friend of ours. And they were like, oh, I don't know. Sure enough, I take her in and we live in a super small town. And so the um, ultrasound guy goes to, you know, gets off work at three at the hospital. And so we can't have an ultrasound. So they give her a CAT scan to find out what's going on. And then the doc, we're sitting there and all of these things. And the doctor comes in and it's this older gentleman. He's like, yes, uh, the CAT scan shows that she's getting ready for amesis. <laughs> I was like, what? And I mean, I knew what he meant by, he was just trying he was being so like, and my, my daughter was like, what's that? Like, what do I have? Am I going to die of a measness? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, but she didn't start for two years after that. Really? Yes. And so my point is a lot of these changes happen before they happen, you know, obviously on the outside. So Uh, and there's other things that happen too. So you want to just be open and honest with your kids. And when they come to you with, uh, you know, I don't know, this like weird thing is happening. Don't laugh. Don't be weird about it. Just be like, oh yeah, I totally understand that. Um, so ask questions. Uh, so be calm. I always say that the, you know, uh, for the conversations with your daughters, especially, but also with any kids, you want to stay calm. You want to get curious right? And you want to connect and you want to cultivate, and then you want to produce some clarity. And so they know better what to do next time or better what to do in the moment. And so, um, yeah, just stay calm, be cool. It's okay. You know, things happen and, um, just be approachable with that. The last thing that you want is your daughter not being able to come to you with any questions, because if they don't go to you, who are they going to go to? right? That's the big question. If they don't learn from you, who are they going to learn from? A friend who you don't know what answers they're going to get, um, or they're going to, you know, go to some other friend's parent or whatever. So just be there, be open, be honest, be calm. It'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, as a woman, you know, I think about how significantly my attitude and my anxiety changes throughout the course of the month. Yes. And you know, like, I think I just, I've always known it was a thing, but like, I think in the last 10 years, I've really started to like recognize it and be like, okay, like I'm probably feeling like this because my period's coming in a week. And I don't, nobody ever talked to me about that when I was a teenage girl. Same. And you know what? There was, um, I was actually in some uh, coaching of my own maybe a year ago, and someone recommended um, for me to track my cycles. 
on the phone. Now I use an app called Hormonology, but there's a lot of different ones. I don't know. That just happened to be the one they suggested. So I was like, sure. But what I love about it is it does track and let you know like, oh, this is really high today. So you're probably going to feel this way. This is going to be really low today. So might not be the best day to make big decisions because you're going to, you know, think more rashly uh, or irrationally. And those type of things. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm not just going crazy. Like there's a reason for this at the same time. You don't want to use it as a crutch, yes. right? You, you don't want your kids coming up to you and like snapping off or being rude and being like, well, it's because my estrogen levels are low, you know? <laughs> and so it's like a license to be a crabby or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And so having it, having them understand their bodies, uh, better, that being said, during the teen years, cycles are so all over the place, sure, right? They, sure. they are not as stable as they are in, uh, in your, you know, late twenties, thirties, forties, whatever. And so that can definitely be altered as well. But I think it's really important for them to be able to understand themselves and understand their brain. So during the toddler years and during the teen years and during the, the, embryo years or not years, embryo uh, stage as well. Those are the three big stages of brain under construction. Now, when they're an embryo and they're super little, they're tucked inside and you don't need to listen or, or <laughs> avoid their behavior or, or deal with it. But during the toddler years and then the teen years, um, you do. And that's why you see toddlers throwing a fit sometimes, and then they kind of plateau. And then in the teen years, they're all of a sudden throwing a fit again. You're like, <laughs> what is going on? I thought we were way past the terrible twos. Right. And, um, so when their brain is super under construction and I'm going to kind of point toward the teen years, especially that frontal cortex is, uh, is what is the most under construction. And that is where our logic, that is where their reasoning, um, all of those things are taking place. And if you can think of like a live wire, right. And it doesn't have that, uh, we've all like cut a wire before or seen a wire and it has the rubber sheath around it. Right. And that's, so it's insulated and protected Well, that in their frontal cortex is just being insulated right then mm-hmm. during the teen years. So they have a lot of live wires happening in there right now that are just kind of going and flashing all over the place, which is why they can seem irrational, which is why they can, their decisions can be completely out of left field sometimes. And they can have the mood swings that go and this way and that for young men. And then on top of that, we have this huge emotional cycle that starts, I'm sorry, hormone cycle that starts with our young women. So we have a lot of things stacked against us as far as uh, young women trying to figure it out. But the more you know your body, including your brain, the more you can go with it instead of trying to fight against it. And as a parent too, when they're being irrational, it's not just because they're a bad kid or they're making bad decisions or you know fill in the blank, whatever. They didn't try hard enough and all of this. Try to go with the flow and again, be curious and ask the questions and you can stay calm and ask the questions and and figure out what's going on really. Right. Because they might've gotten a bad grade on their bio test on Mm. Thursday because, uh, Melissa on Monday said that their hair looked bad. Right. And it's, (laughs) it's just the truth. It's what happens. How do you talk to your girls about that? The mean girls? Oh, well, that again is a perspective change. So anytime, I mean, think about it in the history of everything, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And so 
when you see someone at school or even at, uh, you know, church youth or, or anywhere out in the public and they're being rude to you, it's because they need to grasp onto power for some reason. Mm. They're feeling really low and they need to grasp onto some power and they're grasping at straws at that point. And they're like, you know what? At least I can be higher than that person. Mm. And so I'm going to say something rude or I'm going to give them a bad look or I'm going to make fun of them. And it's just all these power plays because they're feeling insecure about something. And so this is where we get into discussions of, you know what, that was a, that was a poor decision that they made. And I'm really sorry that you were hurt by that. And it stinks. I can totally understand that one time, you know, when I was your age, this happened, or what's even better is to resonate with them on the level that you are at right now and be like, you know what, yesterday in the office, or when I was out in the neighborhood or whatever, so-and-so gave me a, a not so great look and it took me from a 10 to a two, right? I totally get that. And that stinks. I'm sorry you had to go through that. But what do you think is happening in her life right now that is making her behave that way? Have, do you know anything or is there anything that you think that we could do in order to help her? Because she's obviously suffering in some way, right? So changing that perspective of you're not just the victim here, right? They're a victim too. And how can we help them? So, and that really breeds then that respect of others into the picture instead of looking at, you know, it is me, I'm the victim and the rest of them are, are terrible. It breeds respect into that other person's story and what's going on with them. Yeah. I, I think those conversations are happening more now. And I don't know if I just like didn't listen to them when I was a kid, you know, but do you think that this, this story is changing? Like, you know, there's been a huge movement in the country about like anti-bullying and things like that. And so I'm just curious if you think that this is being communicated better now. I think it, I've, I've seen it communicated better. I've seen it communicated worse. Yeah. So the anti-bullying movement, for example, right. And I actually just dealt with this very recently. There was a young woman who was doing a lot of bullying, um, but she also was coming to a place with this group of young women because she wanted help too. And, um, I'm trying to be vague enough in case anyone is listening. Sure. I don't want to give away anything, but anyway, my point, my point is that once you have this, you know, big anti-bullying, anti-bullying, if someone is identified as mm -hmm. a bully, mm -hmm. then they are scarlet letter, totally. right? They are the scarlet letter and then hurt people, hurt people, they can't find healing and then get better. So to where they're respecting people again, because everyone is disrespecting them because they are the bully. Mm. So instead of an anti-bully movement, I would much more rather, uh, rather see um, a pro-respect movement, right? Mm -hmm. What can we all do in order to mutually help one another and respect one another? Um, have compassion toward one another, which is, you know, true understanding and love for somebody else's circumstances that they're going through. Uh, have kindness, you know, and guilty. I have the t-shirt. If you can be anything, be kind, right? Which I love, but let's actually live it out. Um, so yeah, with the anti-bullying movement, I see the pendulum and it goes both ways there. That's such a good point. It's so interesting to me too. Cause you know, I think that parents can be so quick to saying like, Ooh, that's a bad seed. Let's stay away from that. Mm -hmm. You might feel like you're putting your kids stuff on the line by 
opening up arms for that mutual respect, even if that kid is being doing something that would be considered bullying, you're looking right. to the heart of the matter. Like what's actually going on here? Why is this kid doing this? And I think people don't want to do that work or don't yeah. want to put their family on the line. Let's just avoid it and be here with our safe family and make sure our kids are being kind and let's avoid that and just stay away from it. But right. What that does is it ostracizes and like what it, what's their family life like? Exactly. Exactly. And one of the things that I feel like has been such a beautiful growth experience for our family is that, um, my, my kids are obviously youth, but I, my husband and I both, um, volunteer in the youth in our community as well. And they see that. So they see us volunteering with the youth. Some of them are troubled. Some of them, you know, are going through things, are being the bully, are going through much darker things within their family, you know, choosing drugs or alcohol or, you know, this, that, or the other, but we still reach out and we do what we can in order to help. And having that kind of, having your kids see that as, my parents are out there and they're helping, um, as best they can, even the hard kids, right. Even the hard kids and not to say my kids have not been hard. Sometimes they certainly have. Um, but when they are, they know that we're there to support them and it isn't going to be this dialogue of like you were saying that, Oh, that's the bad kid. So we're not, we're going to stay away from that. And then if your child through their, you know, crazy brain development and everything makes the bad decision, they're going to be like my parents, I'm, I'm now the bad kid. So my parents are going to want to avoid me. Therefore I'm going to avoid them first, right? It's that protective instinct. I'm going to avoid them first and put up the walls of conversation, maybe even, you know, physical walls, doors shut a lot more, um, uh, going out and not coming home, all of those things. And so, having those lines of communication open. And another thing that volunteering in the community has done was give us a platform for really hard discussions that don't necessarily pertain to my kids right now, but it could one day. So they're more like preemptive discussions because we can say, Oh, that was really hard. You know, I'm, I just feel terrible that they made that choice last Friday night. And now all of these things are happening you know, why do you think that they made that choice? Um, you know, have you ever felt that way? I know that I've, you know, felt that way sometimes. It would be so easy to just do this instead of the hard thing, but now there's all these consequences and I feel terrible for them, right? So having those preemptive conversations before they're even an issue in your family and hopefully they never will be. I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I feel like I've put off volunteering so much because I feel like I'm pouring so much into my kids. <laughs> So it's been, that's a little bit of an excuse though. Right. Um, but also, uh, like when my kids are home, I'm like, Oh, I need to be here for them. I need to be here for them. And if I leave while they're home, like, what does that say? And so I like what you're saying though. Like you're, you're going out and volunteering with other kids. Like, how do you talk about that with your kids? And then also I was thinking, okay, women volunteer so much more than men. Mm -hmm. It's just like a fact I'm raising four boys. And they're not like volunteering yet, but like, how do I, as a parent, teach them that that's going to be like a really important thing in their life? Because if the conversation is like, we need to help these boys become strong men, how do I raise boys who are going to be men who want to do that? 
Uh, first of all, volunteering, the way that when uh, my husband and I met in a community service fraternity, co-ed fraternity, when we were in college uh, called Alpha Phi Omega. So we met then, service has been a part of our life, our entire lives. It's really, really important to us. It's part of our DNA. And I just, I just think it's so important to get out and serve in whatever way you can. I've served from everything from animals, um, right, to humans to, uh, you know, stuffing envelopes. It doesn't matter, just serving in whatever you can, right? But with the kids, I think it's important to help them or get them out and serve because it grows that respect and compassion piece. Um, one of my daughters builds uh, backpacks that then she loves to give out to homeless. We were, we lived in Chicago for a while and I'll never forget this moment. She was we were actually, we didn't live there. We were there on, uh, to see some people and it was nighttime. It was winter. And, um, she was just carrying around. We were just went out to dinner and she was like, I just want to bring, you know, like a blanket in case we see anyone. I was like, okay. And she was maybe 10 at this time. And so, uh, we passed in this little alcove, this mom that had maybe like a three, four month old baby mm. just laying on her chest. And it was, it was winter in Chicago. So it was cold and watching my, you know, 10 year old daughter go over and lay a blanket on, like it's enough to, you know, tear me up now and lay a blanket on this mom's chest over her baby. It just was such a touching moment. And it has all, it, it was the result of so many conversations mm -hmm. of serving others. Right. And she didn't judge that mom. She didn't, con you know, condemn that mom for whatever it was that got her there. She just had love for her and wanted to help her in some way. And so having that, giving them the perspective of compassion and kindness toward others is so important. Now, when we moved here and I, I've served the youth of this community for seven years, some of that part was. I want to know who my kids influencers are around mm -hmm, them. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, a bit selfish, <laughs> I'll admit, but I'm like, I want to serve and I definitely want to help these kids. But I also want to know what's the temperature reading of what's happening in the communities. Because when my kids come home and say this, that, or whatever is happening, I want to have seen it coming because I know the temperature of the community of their peers around them. So that has been really helpful as a parent. Um, and then the conversations I talked to you about earlier. Now, boys to men. Um, so, <laughs> so with the uh, boys to men or boys and then they need those men, I couldn't agree more. I think it's really important that we surround um, our young men or yeah, our young men with older men that have been there from um, a variety of different walks, right? They've been through struggle in one way or another, whether it be um, something that you as a parent see as a big struggle or even a minor struggle or what have you, but they've been there because struggle is what is going to produce confidence later. Mm -hmm. Our kids have to go through struggle. They, there's no way around it if they're going to have success later on. Um, and hopefully it's not big staggering struggle. We want them to have their physiological needs met and their safety, right? But we, and we want their worth to be built on top of there and their esteem and their confidence. And we need to build that as their parent. That's the, that's the parenting pyramid right there. Um, and confidence is at the very top believing in themselves. And in order to do that, you need to learn from other people that have come before you. But I will say that young women need 
older men in their life that are there to guide them and mentor them and give them that safety and understanding of what a quote unquote real man, right? A, a safe, good, kind, compassionate man looks like. So they know what to look for later on as well. Gosh, it's so true. Look at me turning this conversation that was supposed to be about raising girls <laughs> <laughs> into my own selfish needs of raising boys. <laughs> oh, that is so true. Um, this is a call to all men out there who are listening. If you are not, yes. if you are a good man and you are not already volunteering with youth in your community, roll up your sleeves and go sign up. Absolutely. And I have the pleasure of being able to work with a lot of incredible men that are out there from, you know, early twenties to, I don't know, late seventies right now. Um, one of our wonderful friends, he is an, um, he's an older gentleman and he actually, uh, is a master chef in, um, the United States. He's one of like 67 in the United States. He used to work in the white house. He has just these accolades. He's a Marine, all of these things. And coming up this, um, this, semester, I guess, uh, at the end of this year, he is taking my four daughters through and all of us are backing away because you don't mess with this, uh, this man in the kitchen, but he's taking my four daughters and he is teaching them how to make present and give a seven course formal meal. That's right? amazing. And he is so excited about this. He was telling me the other night, he's like, I am more excited than I've been in years for this. It's on December 10th. And so all of us adults, there's going to be, I think, eight adults there. We're all dressing formal. Like my husband's wearing a tux. I'm going to get a chance to wear an actual like dress dress, you know? And so we're going to be presented this meal that they are going to work for hours on seven courses. And just my point is, having your young men and women find people that can just speak and teach into them, they will remember this night for the rest of their lives and the lessons that they get from chef ed in the kitchen. Right. And it's going to be a magical night for, for many ways that will just keep echoing uh, downtime, but it's just really special to help find people outside of just the two of you mm -hmm. to speak into them. That is so true. Even if you are in a very stable household, yeah. Yeah. I think Absolutely. we forget about that sometimes. I mean, we naturally have coaches and teachers, but like, this is such a cool example of how do I find a chef ed though? <laughs> <laughs> Where do I find this person? I have oh. to go volunteer. <laughs> yeah. You have to go volunteer. Yes. Uh, yeah. This man was one of our old neighbors, but we have, um, yeah. And he's, he's been with the girls for the last eight years and watched them grow up and he just loves them dearly. And so, um, yeah, it's just getting out, being in community and getting to know people, what they can do, being willing to serve yourself, right? How can I serve Ed and his, and his, you know, beautiful wife and go over there and I don't know, trim their rose bushes one day or what have you. Right. And it's just, it's this give back and forth like of and take, living. Yeah. yeah. Of being in community. And then our kids get to see that too. Yeah. That's so great. Okay. So before we wrap up here within the podcast, um, you know, we talked earlier about the worth and the self-esteem and the confidence in our, in our young girls do you have advice for how we can instill that? Is it just these constant conversations? 
Uh, it's constant. I actually have an entire program that I teach in order to do this. So it, it, uh, that's 16 weeks long, so I can't fit it on the podcast, but it is, it's, um, you know, a big part of that is, is constant conversation. So uh, the first part though, is vision casting vision. You know, what are you doing now in order to set up where you want to go in the future? What perspectives do you have? What perspectives do you want to add to that? What core values do you have? Um, a lot of parents bring a lot of uh, core values into parenting that they don't necessarily want to have, but just come with them, mm. you know, linked to their ankles, like uh, extra baggage. And so teaching parents how to let go of that, but then let's bring in some new core values that we want to start right now. So, you know, there's those things. And then we have uh, discipline. How do you discipline them in a way that teaches them how to discipline themselves? Because the goal be very clear. If you get nothing else out of this conversation, the goal of parenting is to get your child to a self-disciplined leader before they leave home, mm. right? They come into your life and you're totally parent-led discipline and you want, you're passing the baton during the whole second half of childhood to get them to a point that they are a self-disciplined leader of themselves before they leave home so that they're equipped to do whatever unique greatness they have in, in their world. And they will continue to learn and grow their wisdom and have experiences and everything. But what happens within the 6570, that's how many days are in 18 years, if I didn't say that earlier, but whatever happens within the 6570, that is the foundation that everything else lean, is leaning on, launching from, or standing on. Every knee-jerk reaction you have as an adult goes back to that time. And if you need to change it, it takes a lot of work to use that jackhammer to break up that concrete that was set in the 6570. So um, yeah, discipline them in a way that teaches them how to discipline themselves. So that's not like just throwing out a consequence. It's actually having a discuss discussion, having the consequence be something that actually adds to their teaching, right? Um, and then there is uh, vulnerability, which is all about the conversations, but learning, learning from them, like what kind, how do they take in information? What is their personality like so that you know how to take uh, from them what they're saying, right? Um, and then we get into uh, resilience, which is all the mental, emotional, and physical tools that you're going to need as a parent, as a family, that your child can build for themselves in order to get them to that self-disciplined leader position. So yeah, it's a series of things that happen for sure, but it's all doable. And, you know, whether you have a 17 year old or you have a, you know, nine year old, it's all doable. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> I love having that perspective and just like reminding yourself of that every day. Like this is the goal, that self-discipline to leave the house and, and be able to lead yourself, then be able to lead themselves. Yeah. And if we can kind of like remind ourselves of that, when things start feeling like hot and crazy and wild, like get back to like what, what the purpose is. Yes, absolutely. All right, Nellie, um, we'll link all your information in the show notes. But your your business is actually called what? The 6570 Family Project. Yep. Okay. So people can Google that, look that up, and we'll also link it in the show notes. Yep. Everything is on my website, which is just NellieHarden.com. Um, what's something professionally or personally you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? Um, I 
would like to write my own book. So I have a book um, that was launched this year. Um, I was a collaborative writer on. Um, and next year I'm writing my own book. Um, so I'm just really excited to do that. And I've always wanted to. So it's finally coming, coming true. Awesome. What's a trip or a place that you recommend taking your kids to? Um, camping. Hands down camping. I don't care if you're in a tent, you're in an RV, you're doing what, but just getting out and camping um, and just having spontaneous adventures, um, I think is the biggest thing that you can do. I mean, even if they're hard sometimes or unpredictable or chaotic, um, those are lasting memories. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I have, uh, under pressure by Lisa Damore. I love this book. Mm. It's all about uh, the pressures that young women are facing today. And so, yeah, highly recommend. Do you have a kid's book you recommend? I do. Oh my goodness. I love, I mean, we have thousands of books in this house. It's kind of ridiculous, but one of my favorite children's books is, um, the curious garden. Okay. And that is, um, Peter Brown, uh, wrote that book and the curious garden is just such a neat book about, uh, how human nature can take us down a darker path sometimes, but then we can bring it back and we can find the beauty and generations down. Um, and you can really find joy in the crevices, which I always say, find joy in the crevices. And now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if that idea came from <laughs> when I was reading this book all those years ago. <laughs> I love that. What is the last message you want to leave with our audience today? Um, I just want to really say that use your time wisely, right? And that doesn't mean perfection. And that doesn't mean um, pressuring yourself that every day has to be something huge. You just, I mean, if you need to get Taco Bell for dinner, get Taco Bell for dinner, but sit down and have a picnic in the living room with it, right? Or, or uh, sit down. If, if your, um, kiddo is having a hard time, do knee to knee conversations, right? That we do, uh, everyone's crisscross applesauce and we do knee to knee conversations. There's a lot less places eyes can wander if you're sitting there right there, right? Like, no, look at me. I want to help you. Right. Um, but yeah, just use your time wisely and seek guidance. Um, it's a hard world right now to raise kids in. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Right. It used to be much more simple, hard, but simple. And now today is hard and not simple. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, seek guidance, listen to amazing podcasts like this one, um, and just keep seeking and keep growing uh, your own wisdom. And that teaches them to keep seeking and growing theirs too. I love it. Thank you so much, Nelly. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Nelly, for coming on the podcast. You all can learn more about Nellie. You can find her on Instagram. She is Nellie, N-E-L-L-I-E, Harden, H-A-R-D-E-N on Instagram. And she also has a website called NellieHarden.com where you can learn more about all the things that she's doing, the courses that she has, and ways that she can support you. You can find me personally. I'm LindsayHine626 on Instagram, at LindsayHine on Twitter. And you can find this podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling, on Instagram as well. Learn more about all the shows in our network, Sandy Boy Productions, at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks for being here, and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling.